0: Everybody, this is Jack Graham, along with my dear friend John
1: Peterson down in Portland, Oregon. And you still, you still mispronounce my name sometimes.
0: You know why <laughs> I mispronounce it? Because last night
1: I was listening to some Oscar Peterson, ah.
0: and the bass player he works with worked with is the late Niels Orsted Heading Peterson. Oh, he was a good who one. Who took <laughs> Ray Brown's job after? Ray left Oscar. And so Pedersen was on my mind. So it's John Peterson but it's spelled, John, would you spell it, please? P-E-D
1: is in David, E-R-S-E-N. So it does look like Pedersen.
0: But you have to say Is there a reason for that? You just want to say Swedish is what you want to say. (laughs) No, I'm Danish. (laughs) Yeah, but you wish you were Swedish. Oh, yeah. Doesn't everybody? (laughs) Well, I don't know. Uh. I haven't thought about that, anyhow, folks. Enough of the, uh, the crazy here today. It's one of those days, but today um, we have one of my oldest friends, and the and uh, not that he's old, but we are <laughs> no, we old. Back years. <laughs> we're old. the great uh, the great Mike Moats, um, who in my estimation is. Uh, one of the greatest billiards players of all he's a great he he is a preeminent preeminent macro photographer i do that on the side the name for himself in the business uh, we were just talking here about 15 20 minutes before we started recording and we could go on we could probably just go on with stories that none of you would probably understand but (laughs) funny things that have happened you know on the way to the to the forum, you know. So, yeah. Mike, thank you so much for taking some time and being it's here. It's my honor. You. It's my honor to be and, here, John. Uh, it certainly is. that <laughs> 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 we finally got to, to get together here. Um, yeah. Now that none of us are traveling, although John and I are going to be in Olympic National Park next week, and we're getting nice. at our uh, Nice getting out of our offices here it's quite exciting that's awesome
1: i'm looking forward to it
0: well mike you know i think a lot of people know who you are and <clears> are <throat> not um could you do it just a short little little talk about who you are for the for the two or three people who don't know <laughs> two or three <laughs>
2: uh yeah um you know i'm a dedicated macro photographer i started out in 2001 bought my first dslr camera and some lenses off of ebay used equipment and started shooting at the local parks and by 2004 i started uh selling the art show business started getting magazines uh articles published uh, so uh it, it started out you know as a as a business uh, only three years after i started shooting and then uh turned into a full-time business about 15 years ago. And so it's been a lot of fun. But, uh, uh, you know, I, my business is mainly teaching now, as you know, um, the art show business kind of died off. And I believe that was a lot due to the fact that uh, you can go to Ikea and buy uh, a gallery wrap for a fraction of what we were selling them in an art show. And as, you know, seven or eight of those big box stores popped up in my area, with those cheap gallery wraps. Well, people stopped buying them at the art shows. And I got out of there and I realized that teaching was all that was kind of left. There was, you know, it was tough to sell your images, and make any money and stock photography, of course, had died. Um, so it was, uh, was teaching that was going to continue to make my living. And, and actually it's, it's done much better than I did in the art show business with teaching. And also it's more rewarding. I, I just fun to be able to see photographers that come into your workshops and get excited uh, and watch them grow and produces better photographers from right. your teaching. You know, it's a, it's a, it was a really
1: yeah.
2: fun experience.
0: Well, I, I'll tell everybody the real story about how you got into workshops. Okay. Yeah. You got into, into, into macro photography and what you do. So back in the day John I don't know whether you know the story or not but it, 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 I'll, I'll make it quick um, we Mike and I had the had to brainstorm to do a workshop called macro and more and I hope we can do at least one more before, before we I, die <laughs> before I your temperature and, uh, I, I was of course the more and uh, and Mike was the macro and um, we got up one it was we did this in June, John in the gorge longest day of the year, <laughs> yeah, so if you remember you get up about three thirty in the morning, mm-hmm. okay. you're out at about four well after one day of that, and then it it was real hot, remember Mike and yeah. yeah. After all of this, Mike had enough of this, and he says, <laughs> "I'm not getting up at three in the morning. I'm not. This is Bolano how you guys do this. You know, we pull into the grocery store at nine o'clock at night to buy water for the next day." And
2: no, it was later than that because it didn't get dark <laughs> till nine or ten o'clock because yeah. yeah, it was yeah. the
0: longest day of the year. Yeah, so Mike had enough of enough of that, and I think um, he, he matriculated into macro photography because you could get up at noon. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: we would we would get we we i think that one
2: night we didn't get home till one in the morning or something like that because we we went out or something after the shoot was done and then we had to go get water at the gas station and and then you'd go to bed at one and you'd be getting up at 3.30. it was crazy it's like no this is this is not this is not fun
0: <laughs> it, yeah Well, you know it is until the light gets good and then when the light gets good it's it's okay but so yeah so that that's how you know that was one of the stories that about Mike and how we started and I, I can also tell you that we were just talking about my blog and it's down my work, uh, on my webpage um, Mike had come down to Ohio to do an art show and stayed with us when I lived in in, in the Bath, Ohio outside of Cleveland and um, that was the first he, Mike showed me how to do a WordPress blog in my living room and it's been up ever since and that was probably 85 so if it wasn't for moats I wouldn't wouldn't have gotten into the blog business when I did. Wow. Yeah. yeah, and
2: I took that one shot in your backyard of uh lily pads on the yeah.
0: little yeah, pond. So, so John, we had a we had like a water like a raised water pond in our backyard with lilies and some fish and all kind of water plants, you know. And uh, and I happened to walk down there that morning um I guess with the dog or something and I looked around it it rained I think and I looked around and I, I said hey yeah you know, it's nothing to, it's nothing looking real good in here today I think I'll I was looking for something to shoot and I passed walked by there about two three times there's nothing to see here so most shows up and I, I was doing something because I'm gonna go walk down your backyard he comes back and evidently he took a photograph and that photograph ended up in his first book. And it was in that pond the same day I saw nothing. Uh, and that's why Mike is a macro photographer. And I am the grand landscape guy. Well, I do a lot of macro now, but you do. Mike. You know, you know, what else is
2: really interesting about that, uh, that home that he had, um, when I was shooting that lily pad, uh, if you look up about a hundred feet from where that box was, they were building the home for LeBron James, the basketball player. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was like a forty thousand uh, square foot mansion, and it was a hundred feet from his pond.
0: No, it was more than that.
1: It was, it was, it was amazing.
0: Yeah, well, we we didn't really ask to live there, but we, we did move once because of, of that. But they were actually pretty good when they built the house. One bed, but and they had people.
2: Cars lined up driving down the street no, <laughs> of all, time, all times all times of the day. Yeah. Just to see the house.
0: <laughs> yeah. You know, now yeah. where I live there lined up all time of the day because this place is growing like crazy. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. But but you know, I think the point of that story is uh, is, you know, vision, right?
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: Where Mike Mike saw something and Jack didn't and it's all about how being how open you are to seeing Different things and thinking creatively, so that's kind yeah. of cool. Well, I think
2: I trained my eye to see macro because that's what I wanted to do. Jackie trains his eye to see landscapes; he's he's good at that. I, I yeah. wouldn't claim to be a good landscape photographer because I don't see the way
0: Jack sees. Well, I actually have a picture. <laughs> well, those of you listening to this, and, and this is like a Babe Ruth rookie card. It's got <laughs> a lot of money. I have a photograph of Moats taking a landscape. <laughs> And he's going to blackmail me with it. it he's out of business. and so <laughs> I'm willing to sell that for the right price. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like, I went,
2: I did a workshop up in Anchorage, one of my macro boot camps, And, uh, I didn't even take my SLR, or, you know, my DSLR with my lenses. I just took a point and shoot a little G G 16, which, you know, Jack used to own what a G nine or a 10. And I took my G 16 cannon and, and that's all I took. And, 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 and I took some some macro shots with the G16. Never once in 10 days in Alaska took a shot of a landscape. People hmm. are, are you crazy? I go, no, because I'm not going to promote landscape photography. I'm a macro photographer, <laughs> so why would I shoot you that? Know,
0: it's a funny thing. John, I don't know whether you agree with this or not, but I know you, you shoot a fair amount of macro as yep. well as I do, but when I, when I want to go out and take macro images, I can't, I have to think in that vein. I, I can't be looking at landscapes
1: yeah right and
0: and when i'm out up at rainier for example doing what i'm doing goofing off i you know i don't see macro stuff unless i specifically go and look for it yeah
1: Yeah. it's a mindset you know well it's like it's like monochrome as well where you have to sort of be in the mindset to to see in monochrome and you in turn have to see and be in that mindset for macro yeah yeah totally get it is there a lot of
2: flowers there when you shoot in
0: the Rainier when you go in August? Yeah, springtime up there is the first week of August. Oh, is that right? I'm up there with the rest of humanity. Uh I, I don't think there's anybody left in the state of Washington that's not at Rainier in a week. And um, mm-hmm. it's it's a it's a gorgeous time to be there. It doesn't last very long, but yeah, you know, a month later it could be snowing. You know, so it doesn't doesn't last very long. Mike, uh, do you, do you, do you have a style? I mean, yeah. Explain to me what that is. I think I know, but I'm without. Well,
2: most macro drivers tend to shoot with a small aperture, small or a large aperture, small f-stop. And they, they get, you know, a certain portion in focus, but then they get quite a bit out of focus. Whereas I shoot everything in focus. Uh, I shoot in the high f-stop ranges to get everything in focus. And so that's more my style, even though I do shoot all different types of macro uh, to cover the different, you know, types of styles that there is. um, But my main thing is to shoot with everything in focus. Uh, And then I simplify my subject matter to find things where there's only two subjects, a main subject and a background. So it's a very simple style for people to uh, view and, and, and understand. Uh, And but I I like it with everything in focus. And I have to tell you that uh, awards that I won in contests that I ever entered into, uh, any images that were maybe purchased for advertising from companies. you know, people in the art shows that bought my images—they all bought the images that want with, with everything in focus. And I never had any success with soft focus images and macro, even though it's a really popular style and most people tend to do that. Um, I just tend to like the everything in focus images. They—they've done much better for me than doing soft focus stuff.
0: Well, your website is Tiny Landscapes, yeah, and yeah, via the principles of landscape photography have to be applied to the macro world as well
2: yeah i had someone that said to me on i did a youtube video and they go and they didn't like the term that i used tiny landscapes they go "Well, you're not shooting landscapes i says well if you were a little tiny ant uh the area that i'm shooting would be your landscape mm-hmm. <laughs> so so for all those little tiny you know uh bugs and stuff that crawl around in those areas that i'm photographing those are landscapes for those guys So I said, yeah, they are tiny landscapes.
1: Yep. Just a matter of which perspective. Yeah. So
0: what are you up to these days, Mike? Well, you know, with COVID,
2: of course, all the live programs got shut down last year. And so I was lucky that I started uh, my macro photo club three years ago. And I actually started it with the intentions of trying to cut back on my traveling doing the workshops. I mean, I would travel from the East Coast to the West Coast and down South, up North, everywhere. And it would be a lot of driving and and a lot of time away from home. So I wanted to come up with an idea to to produce something that I could teach online or through the internet that uh, I could stay home and not travel quite as much. And I come up with the Macro Photo Club online. And so I created videos where people can uh, view these videos in our club And I've got over 240 instructional videos that cover four different categories. So we've got uh, tips from the fields, from me actually out in the field, actually photographing things and showing you how I do it, and then composition, uh, post-processing, and equipment. So four different categories of videos. And then I set this up so that you could join the Macro Photo Club for $99. It would give you a lifetime membership and you would always have access to the videos and I'm constantly producing new and more videos all the time to add into the collection. And then we started a Facebook page where people could join the Facebook page and share their images. We got about a thousand of our members on there. But uh, in three years, we've got over 2,200 members from 25 different countries. And so it's really blown up and it's done really well. So during last year's pandemic, when most photographers were shutting down their business because of the live events they had to cancel, I was still bringing in dollars from my uh, macro club and it worked out really well for me having that that in place where if I wouldn't have, I would have, you know, had a tough time last year making it by canceling everything. So I'm still doing in-person programs, some, not nearly as many as I used to. And, you know, like, like Jack, you know, like I think you told me you were on the road 260 days, you know, out of a year. year.
0: 60, but over 200.
2: Yeah, so uh, you know, and I wasn't out that much like you were, but it was still enough where um, it got got old after a while. Mm-hmm. Um, so this online thing, like I say, has kind of helped out uh, when when the pandemic hit and I you know canceled the in in person programs. Now this year, I'm you know I'm supposed to do uh, Madeline Island, uh, which I know you're going to do in October. I think right. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to be there in June and doing a macro program uh and so that'll be my first in-person program since you know what how many months 15 16
0: we're both gonna be there mike Just, let's talk about that for a minute I'll yeah what they do up there
2: it's it's a really really cool place it's an island that's called uh madeline island it's in the apostle islands which i think there are at least a dozen different islands in north of wisconsin and lake superior and you take a a, a you know, a boat over there, ferry over there. You can take your car over there. And um, it's, it's just a cool little place has a little small town with some restaurants and little shops and things like that. Uh, And they've got a state park there where you can camp actually. And um, Madeline Island, uh, the school of Madeline Island school of arts is a campus set up and they've actually got cabins there. There's many cabins that can house the people that are coming there to take workshops and then they have other buildings, big buildings, one for dining, where you do the dining. And, and upstairs, they have a big uh, area where you can do lectures. And uh, and then they have another outbuilding. They, they not only teach photography, they have all kinds of other classes. They've got painting classes and writing classes. And, and, and like when I was there last uh, two years ago, there was two other classes that were going on, uh, uh, groups of people that were there also. So they can accommodate... Uh, I think it's up to like 40 students at a time. Uh, They have enough housing for 40 students. So the people pay for the workshop and then they can pay for their their, uh, cabins uh, and then covers their meals, all that kind of stuff. And it's it's just a really cool campus uh, that they've set up. This guy poured millions of dollars into putting this thing together. And they, so they started in Madeline Island and then they now have workshops going on in uh, Tucson, Arizona. So I did one uh, for it's them better. down in Tucson and then, and then they have some that are going in Santa Fe, not photography ones. Cause you know, the Santa Fe photography uh, yeah. outfit, they didn't want to compete with those people. So they, they didn't put anything in their photography. And then they're talking about doing another uh, group in California somewhere where you're going to have workshops in California. So it's growing, and, and, of course, as all businesses, the pandemic hit them pretty hard. People were canceling all their programs, and they were canceling programs. So yeah, it might have
0: canceled last year, but I'll be there late September this year. And, folks, if you're interested, you know, their website is, it's M-A-D-E-L-I-N-E, M-A-D-E-L-I-N-E, Madeline, yeah. Madeline Island School of the Arts yeah, now they will be, um, they're, they've got a brand new
2: website, which is much better. I guess the website they have now, eh, it's not really that great. It's okay. But, uh, they said, they told me the other day that it's co- going to come online anytime now, but it's a brand new, much easier to navigate through and much better, I guess. So hopefully if you go there, you maybe you'll see the new site. Um, and it's supposed to be a, a better site, but, um, yeah, it's they're just such great people to work for. Really nice, easy to get along with, and they just have a really nice setup. And 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 these, the school itself is pretty brand new. I mean, the cabins, everything is it's only a few years old. It seems like, and that's everything's like brand new. So it's really nice conditions. and uh, It's not old and run down or anything like that.
0: What else are you doing?
2: Um, I've got my macro conference. that will be coming up in October. We're going to hopefully run that. I I just put it out there just a week ago for signups and we already have, uh, we only allow a hundred people, as you know, in the, in the conference. And we already had 40 people in the first four days that signed up. So, um, yeah. and, and, you know, we're hoping that you know, with the vaccines, uh, the people that attend this work this conference are generally 55 and older, and they say that like 70% of the people 65 and over have already got their vaccine. So, I figure by October, for crying out loud, if you haven't got your vaccine by then, um, so we should be pretty safe to run it. Um, and and if not, I mean, if it looks bad or there's variants that are coming out that are causing problems, and I'll just postpone it until the spring. And uh, tell tell everybody that we're not going to yeah. run it if it's not safe.
0: And, and it's a great thing too. I, I did that with you a yeah. few years ago, and, and yeah, and also, you, you, know.
2: you did a you did an amazing program there. I mean, That's people a, were laughing like crazy. It yeah. <laughs> was so funny.
0: Well, you know, I, I always end my program after I do like an hour of like seriousness, or mostly seriousness. Yeah. Um, they don't expect it, but I, I end it with uh, some of my funny <clears> signs <throat> that I've collected over the years and I, I find it's always fun to end things on a on a on a, on a happy note you know and it, yeah he i don't know if
2: you've seen him john he's got all these signs that he's taking photos of and they're hilarious signs yeah. and yeah. just ridiculous signs that and and just the whole place including myself i was in tears i was laughing so hard when i saw those signs so all the this they're going
0: to be in the Palouse in, a, in, in june which That's, we have a couple I, spots open i was just you. thinking that yeah Blood, 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 and that's a great place to find great signs. There's one there that this guy's this insurance agent. agent and His last name is Crook. <laughs> and then uh, there's a sign that it says "gun, gun show, gun club." And, one uh, direction, I'm cemetery, probably, the other direction. Yeah. Uh, there's one out there it's called the Wiener Cutoff, W E I N E R. <laughs> the Wiener Cut Off. You know. So that's a great place. But I, I, yeah, I don't I know, know
2: how you, you found so many of those signs. I mean it was hilarious how many of these had. Know? Yeah.
0: It's like it's like macro photography. Hey, right? as I was gonna
2: say. I says you you seem to be tuned in to finding those signs. Yeah, I never I see anything you like want
0: that. To workshops. <laughs> 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 yeah. Maybe, maybe oh, that man. would get somebody to want to do something with us. Um, you know. I said,
2: I, I you know, we should have you uh, do a Zoom meeting for my my uh, photo club on those signs just for fun.
0: Yeah, I would I would be happy to do that.
2: Yeah, because yeah. that, that
0: was hilarious. Going, you know, it,
1: yeah, it's uh, it, it
0: just just a real entertaining thing. Jack's yeah, like I the
1: Jackie Gleason of photography. <laughs>
0: yeah. That's what we do though, you know, when we when we do workshops and we do these talks. Yeah, you know everybody's so serious all the time, and I and I'm, you know, like I say, I'll I'll I do an hour, an hour and a half of dead serious information. Yeah, man, we're here to have fun, and let's yeah. you know, uh, you know, I mean, the three of us could sit here and tell stories that nobody would get, but they're funny as <laughs> yeah, as many, you know. yeah. And then I'm gonna be in an in
2: Old Car City, which I've talked to you. You you need to yeah, go so, there yeah, and do yeah. a workshop one one yeah. year you can go with a bill and do one.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, but it's a, it's an amazing place. Um, I, it, there's people that come from all over the world that go there to photograph these old cars. He's got over 4,200 cars from late forties, fifties. And, uh, he doesn't sell parts anymore. All he does is just take dollars from photographers that come in and he charges 30 bucks a head to come in. And, and I've been there on, you know, teaching workshops every year for about 12, 13 years now. And you can be there on a Saturday. It could be 100 people in there walking around. I mean, it's not crowded because there's six miles of trail. <laughs> it's mm. huge. And so it's just a really, really cool place if you like to shoot old, old you know, cars that have rusted away and stuff. And it's just really it's just it's over. Yeah. So I have two coming up in the fall doing that in November. But uh, those are sold out already. They sell out pretty quick.
0: Yeah, I'm told it's a snake snake pit in the summer.
2: In the summer, yeah. Well, oh, it's too hot to be there in the summer too. That's why I go in November and then I go in January or February
0: or March, and it's
2: still you know and even the then you're getting o'clock. temperatures in the seventies. You
0: don't yeah. have to get up at three o'clock in the morning.
2: You don't at nope nine o'clock you start. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Like uh, who, who is who are your main influences other than? Me, of course.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Well, we started out, uh, as I said, or I started out in 2001, and and I had no idea about equipment. I had no idea about anything, right? And uh, I went to the local bookstore, and I bought John Shaw's. Uh, It's called the uh, Nature Photography. I think it was just plain old Nature Photography. And, And what I understand at that time, it was like the Bible, right? of uh nature photography books that were out there and so i bought john's book and i read it and said you know what camera you needed to buy and, and lenses and tripod and head uh also talked about using slide film which i had no idea about it slide film until i read that i just thought you bought regular old film you know and so i i, I went and bought all this used equipment on ebay which exactly what john talked about and uh Uh, and got some slide film and went out to the local parks and started shooting. And actually in 2004 when I decided I wanted to try to make a little money I mean I never envisioned making a living doing this. I mean that was the farthest thing from my mind. I just thought you know I can make a little money and uh, uh, you know maybe buy some equipment or pay for a trip or something like that. Uh, And I wanted to get an image published in a magazine. That was kind of what I set for a goal for myself. So I had bought another book by guess who, John Shaw. It was the business of nature photography. <clears throat> so I bought John's book and he explained how to write a query letter. And so I come up with this idea at the time I was shooting leaves. That was a big thing I was doing. And uh, I decided I was going to write an article about shooting leaves. And so I I took John's uh, book and I, I copied his query letter exactly the way he wrote his uh, query letters and and uh, sent off the uh, query letter to Outdoor Photographer magazine. And Rob Shepard, as you know, uh, was the uh, editor at the time. And so about three weeks later, I got a letter in the uh, mail, and it's, it was from Outdoor Photographer. And Rob says, he goes, well, we're interested in your article, but not at this time. Uh, we'll let you know if we if we're you know when we could publish it. And I thought well, that was just a nice way of saying that you know we're not interested. So I kind of blew it off, thinking it was dead. You know, if he had never contact me. So about two months later, I get a uh, an email from uh, this uh, Brian Xparello, who was the uh, associate editor, uh, assistant editor, or whatever at that time, and he said, "Hey, we're going to run your article." I was just blown away. You know, my first first publication. It's an article in Outdoor Photographer magazine. So that was pretty cool. And then I, you know, went on to publish uh, a lot of other articles and and images and magazines after that. But John Shaw was kind of the guy that I kind of looked up to, uh, you know, when I bought his book on nature photography. And then he also had another book on close-up photography too. But I just love looking at all the little macro shots that were in there. And what really turned me off about landscape photography was, because I was doing, from 2001 to 2004, I was doing landscape, wildlife, and macro. I was doing all three of them. But in 2004, I made a trip to Yosemite with a friend of mine. And and I was fighting for tripod space for about 60 other photographers trying to capture some scene that Ansel Adams made famous in one of his books. And I just got turned off by the fact that, you know, I was out there crammed in with all these other photographers And whereas with macro photography, I've got to go out in the woods and wander around all by myself, and I had nobody around me. So, uh, which is to me is kind of what nature photography is about. I don't want to be out there with hundreds of people shooting. I want to be out there myself, all alone by myself out there with nature. So that's kind of that trip to Yosemite is when I really decided that I was done with landscape. And because where I live in Michigan, in Southeast Michigan, north of Detroit, there's no landscape to shoot here. I mean, it's flat farmland around me. Um, there's just nothing to photograph in terms of landscape, and if I wanted to shoot all the good landscapes, well, I'd have to travel, Uh, you know, a lot of travel time out there, and I was running a paint paint business at the time, painting business, and there was just no way I was going to travel that much to shoot landscapes, so I said, you know what, I'm done, I'm just going to shoot macro, because I got tons of that to shoot right here at the local parks near me, so I don't have to travel for that, so I dedicated all my time to being the best macro photographer, and I think one, that's one thing is if you kind of specialize in something i think you can you can kind of do a little better because you put all your time and effort into being the best at that one type of photography just like um you know like the 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 people that i always admire too uh you know the john shaws the art wolf some of those other Photographers that we know for years that have been around for years is a lot of those guys are really good at a lot of different styles of nature photography. Might be good at landscape, good at macro, good at wildlife. They do a little of everything, and I admire those people because they are good at everything. I never felt I was that good at landscape or wildlife photography. So I, I admire people that can do all the different genres of nature and do them really well because it's there's not there's easy.
0: Few, there's few, John, you, you correct me if I'm wrong. There are few, even landscape photographers, who are good at, who are also equally as good at wildlife. Right. Yeah. Or travel. And I can name them on one hand, Art Wolf, for example. Yeah. Art, Art's a master at, at, travel and landscape and what i mean he's one of the few people who really have nailed those three categories right you know yeah because i
2: always thought you know in order to be really good at some specific style you had to put all your time and effort into that one but but there are those that can seem to you know transition to all different styles and do really really well at it
0: yeah i
2: mean i never felt i did good in landscape even when i went to the some of the parks that I've gone and photographed, I look at my images and they're kind of boring looking compared to some of the other ones I've seen by other photographers, you know?
1: Yeah. Well,
0: I I would love to do another macro and more before, before Before we die. uh... (laughs) Thank you, Mike.
2: Before we die. Maybe
0: we ought to do one tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) You never know. (laughs) We're getting up there. What do you, uh, are you still um, using your... Equipment shooter, or what do huh? you? Use? I know you're, you're you use use Tamron lenses, and yeah, what what, I, what are you using for bodies? These things? I still
2: use all the cheap equipment.
0: <laughs> yeah, tell, I, tell everybody about your recent upgrade.
2: Well, I use used the D seven thousand for ten years, Nikon Nikon D seven thousand for ten years, <laughs> um, and and people would laugh. They go, "Are oh, you kidding?" It's like an old camera. And I go, yeah, it's still working great though. <laughs> and so, but in October last year, I actually upgraded finally to the, the 7500 Nikon, which sells for a whopping $999, I think it is. <laughs> so it's still below what most pro photographers use. Matter of fact, Bill Fortney, I ran into him at a conference one time and he says, Mike, he says, I know you're using our D7000 camera. It's a good camera, but how come you're not using the Pro bodies? I says, Bill, I says, 60% of the people in my workshops are using cameras under a $1,000, the bodies. Yeah. I said, if I'm using your $6,500 camera, those people leave my workshop saying, well, Mike's images look really good because he's got an expensive pro camera. I said, I'm using a camera that's cheap like everybody in my workshop uses. And so that gives them the, the feeling that, well, if he's doing that well with his camera, then I should be doing just as well with my camera yeah well, that was the whole philosophy. It was just you know I got it done with a cheap camera and and uh it works good for macro now it's you know I wouldn't tell somebody that you could use a d seven thousand to be a wildlife photographer or a s action photographer or someone shooting in low light conditions a lot, you know wedding photographers i mean it wouldn't work for those people, but for macro photography, you don't need an expensive d s l r yeah. so and and that really the people in the workshops appreciate hearing that because. You know, not everybody can afford or want to spend you know thousands of dollars to buy a camera body.
0: Well, I tell people that if they're taking mediocre photographs, it's not the equipment.
2: No, and we've talked about this many times. You know, it's it's people are gear obsessed and they're they're too worried about buying the next best camera, thinking it's going to make better images for them. Has nothing to do with it.
0: So if we had video. Which we we're we're actually folks recording this on Zoom, believe it or not. But if we had video, maybe we should sometime think about this. Jeff, do some video. In my garage, I found the Mike Moats wind protector. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> talk, what, it's, it's, talk about that just for a minute. It's kind of a
2: well, it's a, it's it's the it's the enemy of the macro photography, right? Wind. It's the biggest problem we, we deal with. Um, and so I come up with this idea to, to build a clear plexiglass wind box that would, would go around the subject we're photographing. And so it's set up as a, it's, it's actually a flat. It's flat when you uh, have it closed. When it's closed into itself, it's flat. And then it opens up into like a triangle. And then at one end, you can put the lens through the one end. And then you have the triangle that totally... Closes the uh, the subject in, and then because you're using clear plexiglass, you can photograph right through the back of the plexiglass, uh, and it worked really, really well. And so I and and this thing is put together with duct tape. It's it's four pieces of plexiglass, and there's duct tape that creates hinges so you can <laughs> open and close it.
0: <laughs> it works perfect. Maybe I'll bring it next week and show you. Yeah, yeah. I'd
1: love to see it. I've not it's, seen it look, before. Have you ever marketed that at all, Mike?
2: Um, you know, I, I had thought about it one time for my workshops, You're actually building them and sell them in my workshops, but I just never felt like doing it. I actually talked to you one time because you had some connections yeah. in China. Yeah. And I said, you think we could have this thing built in China? You know, it's this thing that, come up with some kind of a, a system where they could build this thing. Yeah. Um, and, but, of course, you know, we talked about how much it would cost just to get the thing going and get it off the ground right. and then how much it would cost to market it, right? Yeah. I says, no, nah, I don't want to, that's just, I, that's not what I want to do. So we just kind of let it slide. I put a video out oh, like on with, uh, YouTube.
0: With all the accessories that we see, you know, yeah. I, I've never seen anything like this. And...
2: Yeah. And I put a video out there on YouTube. If you just type in Mike Motz Windbox on YouTube, you'll actually find the video how to build it. <laughs> <laughs> and I show people how to make the thing. It's just make your own. The only problem with it's scratch is really easy. You know, that plexiglass. Yep. And so you have to really treat it really well um, because it'll scratch up pretty easily. And then then you have to use a diffuser because if the the glass being, being shiny or the plexiglass has a sheen to it, like if the sun is hitting at the right angle, it'll cause a glare on the on the background, right? So you have to you have to shade that with the diffuser to keep that from happening. And then if it's early in the morning and it's humid and dewy, it, it can fog up on you. So then you have to have paper towels to clean off the fog and stuff like that off of it.
0: Then you have a lens baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah. Well, one guy told me that he took this stuff that you use for uh, skiers' goggles. To keep your skiers yeah, from, no your problem. goggles from. Yeah. And he says you could put that on the glass and it won't fog up on you. I never tried it, but.
0: Yeah, there's a company, actually, I've seen stuff that they're selling things now, because when you wear your masks and you breathe, it'll fog your glasses up. Yeah. Spray this on your glasses when you're in a store or something, it's yeah. not going to, I don't know. I mean, you know, you know, the accessory business in, in, in anything, whether it's photography or bicycles or whatever, that, that's yeah. where the dealers make their money. And
2: Oh, Yeah. Uh, you know, like the, like they sell you a camera, they make very little money, but they make their money off the camera bags and the tripods and the heads and all the other stuff
0: they sell. Yeah, hey John, do you own a macro lens? I do. I own two.
1: Wow, two, two. What, what? Which ones do you own? Uh, the Fuji, the XF sixty mil, um, yeah. and then the GF one twenty for the medium a format. one
2: twenty. They make
1: yeah. Oh, for a medium yeah. format, yeah. So nice
0: it's lens. like an eighty. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, that, the eighty is a. It, they're tax sharp lenses. One of these days, Motes, I'm going to get you a. a, a, a I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send you one of my cameras to play with.
2: Um, there was somebody that just emailed me that asking about be, you know being in my uh, um, coming to the macro conference. Said so they had a Fuji camera and um, asked about macro lens. I said I think the Fuji has the eighty millimeter, right?
0: Yes. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I mentioned that to her. I think they have an 80 millimeter macro lens that you can pick yeah, up for that.
0: It's 2.8, and it's tack yeah. sharp.
1: They're still yeah. selling the 60, and then they added the 80, which is nice.
2: Yeah. A little longer focal length works yep. a little better. Yep.
0: Yeah, I just actually sold my old 200 Nikon, Yeah, which, which was sitting around, which is, again, a very, very – they're hard to find yeah. in, in good condition, but they're – uh you know, they were really good when you hit that certain age where you don't want to bend over all the time. <laughs> right. you got the working distance. And for me, working you, distance. You could
2: probably make as much money selling it today as you did when you bought it, right? I have more. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's worth more but, now than you paid for it.
0: But, um, you know, working distance and macro, as you, as you get older, it, it becomes... Uh, yeah. It becomes... So talk to us. Do you do any stacking with helicon focus or any st- stacking in post-processing?
2: No, no, I, you know, I've just learned how to to get enough um, focus on my subject and still maintain a blurred background by just working the subject uh, it, it camera angle to the subject. So the background is far enough away that I can get into a higher F stop and still maintain that blur. And so I can get it done. And if I'm shooting subjects where everything is in focus and and I I want everything in focus, I just go to the higher F stops, you know, 22 and higher and I get plenty of depth of field. And so I've never, I did stacking when it first came out and I tried it and, um, tough to do out in the field. If you're going to photograph a flower, that's, you know, you're going to shoot 10, 12 images and that flower is going to be moving, uh, with the wind. Uh, it's very difficult to, uh, to get a shot, uh, with the, um, uh, with, with, you know, a still subject over a course of 10, 12 images or how many images you're going to shoot. So I found it difficult to do outside in the field. And then I also found that I can get it done with one shot. Why am I wasting my time shooting 10, 12 images?
0: Well, so folks, I got to tell you that the reason I asked that question, Mike, is because I was, I and mean, honestly, I had not looked at your website for, probably about 90 years now <laughs> <laughs> After a few months and you know folks if you look at mike's work on tiny landscapes i, I could have sworn that some of those images were 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 stacked that they're yeah. so sharp no yep. so no stacking for doing that that's uh
2: and that's what i teach in my uh videos in my photo club and also my workshops. You know, I teach people how to get it done with one shot and not have to do focus stacking. Do you ever um, use, now,
1: hey, Mike, do you ever use yeah. extension tubes in your Mac? No,
2: because I never shoot in high magnification or beyond one-to-one.
1: Okay. So
2: I wouldn't have any need for them. Um, now, getting back to focus stacking, let's say that you're shooting, you know, you're using a, a one of those, say, Canon, what is it, mp65 it goes from one to one to, to five to one you're getting into really super high magnification now you know the depth of field when you're at one to one it shrinks down to almost nothing
0: right. now
2: you go to five to one and you've got just fractions amounts of depth of field so that's where focus stacking really you know really th- uh, is is pretty important to focus stack because you're going to get such shallow depth of field even shooting at a high f-stop number that you won't get enough in focus. So that's a lot of the people that shoot in the very high magnification focus stack because they don't have any choice. You can't get enough depth of
0: field. One but of my use is, is, is when I see a lens that says macro on it, <laughs> it's not a one-to-one lens.
2: Yeah, and well, my zoom lens, which is 18 uh, to 400 camera, you know, a lot of those new lenses come out that are zoom lenses say they have macro capabilities. Yeah. They don't say they're macro lenses, they say yeah. the macro capabilities. So they're classifying two 1 to 2.7, 1 to 3.5 as macro.
0: Yeah. Could you just explain that because I think there are going to be people listening to this that aren't understandable? Yeah.
2: No, it's a good point to make because the, the term macro photography, if you looked it up in Wikipedia or a dictionary, it will tell you that. Macro photography is shooting in one-to-one or higher magnification. Now, in order to achieve one-to-one, you have to take your macro lens and get it to the minimum focusing distance. So my macro lens is 11.5 is the minimum focusing distance of the subject. Now that's from the sensor inside the camera, not the front of the lens. Inside the camera, the sensor to the subject, 11.5 inches. Now I'm at my minimum focusing distance, and when I'm there, I am actually in macro land. I'm shooting macro, true macro, one-to-one. Now, once you go outside of one-to-one and you back up away from that subject, you start start shooting larger areas. Well, now you're actually called close-up photography. Now, I am a close-up photographer. I am not technically a macro photographer. But I call myself a macro photographer because I just consider shooting any small areas as macro. And most people kind of think the same way. If you look on any sites uh, on Facebook that are geared to macro photography, you'll see very few images that are being posted that are actually in one-to-one or higher magnification. Very few. But yet those people still consider themselves shooting macro photography because they have a macro lens. and <laughs> mm. <laughs> Whatever they shoot with that macro lens is macro photography. <laughs> so it's it's a little confusing. I call myself a macro photographer, even though I'm technically a close-up photography, according to the dictionary and the terms of macro. But uh, uh, but there are some hardcore macro photographers that get upset by the fact that we call ourselves macro photographers when we're not technically shooting macro photography. We're not one-to-one or higher. And so every once in a while, somebody will you know call me out and say, oh, you're not a macro photographer. Yeah, who cares? I don't care about it. I don't mind calling myself a macro photographer. But, yeah, that's the difference.
0: Who, 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 or whose work, I mean, who inspires you? What photographers?
2: See that? In terms of, in terms of macro photography, (laughs) I, you know what? I said earlier that I really, um, my style is shooting everything in focus. But I'm actually more attracted to the people like uh, that shoot the soft focus flowers like Kathleen Clemens and, uh, and one of my speakers at my conference is Jackie, uh, um, Jackie Kramer um, and so and some of the photographers that do soft focus flower photography I really actually like that style, even though I don't like to shoot it that much because it's difficult it's much easier for me to find a subject and shoot it all in focus than it is to get the right amount of softness in there to make it look really good. And so some of those soft focus flower photographers, uh, I really think are, are very good at what they do. And I really admire what they do. Um, but for me, again, I, I've had some success with soft focus flowers, but I feel there's people that do it much better than I do. So I'm kind of appreciating what they do, because I know how hard it is to do that. You know, I always tell people that, you know, Mother Nature creates the artwork for us out there. All we got to do is go out and snap a picture of it. And that sounds like simple, right? But the style that I shoot most of the time, which is everything in focus is, hell, you can do that with a point-and-shoot camera. You can do it with a camera phone. It's not that difficult. So I don't find what I do very hard to do. But when I look at some of these soft-focus photographers that consistently put out good quality images doing soft-focus flower photography, it blows me away when I see what they do. They're really good stuff. But, but what's uh,
0: weird, Mike, is, is seeing in, yeah. that, in that vein, you know, and and being able to, you know, walk past something and say, well, there's something to see down there, you know.
2: Yeah, and, and a lot of people, uh, the, I've had people say, well, you know, Mike, you have a natural eye to spot good subject matter. I says, well, in the first three years that I was shooting from 2000 to 2004, Three years, not one of those images in that first three years is on my website today. I said, so I spent three years just trying to train my eye to spot things. And it took a while before I could figure it out. Fourth year is when it finally kicked in for me. Uh, So if I was a natural... I would have been shooting stuff in the first three years. That was would be on my website.
0: It really bothers me. We were kidding before we start recording this. We we should do a pet peeve. I think John and I did a couple of those <laughs> pet peeves, and one of them is when people walk up and they go, "Man, just you, you were you must have been born with this." <laughs> yeah. You know, and I used to hear that a lot in the music business and and whatever, but. I don't believe that. I, you know, I don't believe anybody's born with anything. And yeah. I think we could all do whatever we want to do if we want to do it bad enough and have the will to work at it.
2: Yeah, I yeah. totally agree with you, Jack. Totally you know. agree. Yeah, yeah. If you just put the time and effort in, but it takes a lot of. Uh, it, it takes a, a while to get there, though. I mean, you have to put a lot of time and hours in to get there. Yeah, but you
0: want know, uh, kind of so to be a good plumber?
2: Guess what you got to time. train. Yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, I've had people, uh, we've, we've talked about that. I says, well, you know, it took me three years into the fourth year before it finally clicked in for me and training my eye to see things. Um, and so it it can be done. Uh,
1: yeah. And, um, and, and going back to one of our earlier conversations before we started recording, it's not the gear. No, no, it's, it's not. No, no, Jack, no, yeah. Nope. no, nope. okay. it's your brain. Too many to people are gear. obsessed with the gear.
2: What is that? Uh, gear accusation Let me go to Am- syndrome.
1: Gear accusation
0: yeah. syndrome. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I can cancel that new, uh, new 8,000 megapixel
1: camera that's coming. Yep. That was
0: that. Just,
2: I was reading on my phone today. There was a story about a guy, he's a lawyer. That uh, was going to take his kids' uh, college fund, and he was going to spend it on a medium format camera that he's been wanting for years. <laughs> and he was going to blow his kids' college fund to get this uh, camera.
1: Right. Oh, I think well, I know, saw that article. I didn't even bother to read, read it.
2: Like, it's like a hundred megapixel camera.
1: I, I don't know, but you know, for what
0: you get out of college these days, so you might be better off with a camera. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what you mean. <laughs> it's a whole nother subject.
2: So well, right? only if you, only if you're a good teacher, though, right? Because because you know, it's how, how do you make money doing this, right?
0: Well, y- you know, people have figured out that that's how you, that's the only way to kind of make any money in this business anymore, and that's why you're seeing the multitude of new people tr- figuring that they could run workshops and run events, and yeah. And let me tell you, it's a rude awakening sometimes because it takes many years to, to hone your craft in anything. And, yeah, you know, when you're out there, man, you better you better be able to answer about 95% of every question that's asked. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Let and, me ask you too, Jack, because I know this is something that came up a few years back where the uh, national parks are really clamping down on the photographers that were coming in there doing workshops and claiming they were just a bunch of, Friends coming in to do a, a, a shoot where they weren't getting their permits.
0: Yeah, John, you know, we just briefly, um, John's just did, did the permit for Olympic that we have coming up. And, you know, it's a process. But I, what really kind of annoys me is, is that we do permits. So we do that. Yeah. right, And it uh,
2: costs money to do that. John, what would
0: you say? Would you say, what percentage of people run workshops you think don't have permits? Oh, 80.
1: Yeah, no, i not high, but it's no, a But it's, it's a good portion of them. Yeah, you bet. Oh, still?
2: Because yeah. no, I, I thought they were clamping down on that. they were going around checking out them.
1: They say they are, but they're trying. You know. But there's, you know, these parks are huge, and there's only so many rangers out there to check on folks. And but, so what they're
0: doing is they're checking websites, you know, and they're, yep. they see your name up on there, and making oh. a call and that kind of thing, which is fine. I mean, I, I I'm all for that. You know? Yeah, but
2: it doesn't bother you like when you're in a you're in a park and you've got your permits and you've done everything right, and then these guys are sliding in there with no permits.
1: Yeah. exactly. Yeah.
0: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's why we
1: always run with our permits. Yeah.
0: Get caught once and you'll <laughs> it's pretty damn embarrassing. And, and frankly, the word gets out. And, you know, we, we know who does it and who doesn't. In fact, a couple of the rangers actually asked me if I knew anybody that wasn't getting permits. And I wouldn't, I knew, but yeah. I wouldn't give names. I said, that's your job to figure yeah. that out. Yeah. Hey, anyway, great. Mike, I got to tell you, we, we, we need to do this more often. And we, you know, it, it's just a, it's a, it's just a lot of fun having you on. We, we might, like I say, Mike and I go back a long time and, and, uh, and have had a lot of fun experiences out in the field and yeah. stuff. Um, I just want to end this on one note. You know, I always end it with my funny signs. <laughs> yeah. so I'm going to do my version of funny signs here, John, before we sign off. Right. Mike, What did you eat today? Well, this morning I
2: was at Burger King. I had a Whopper Junior at 6 o'clock. There's only one Burger King near my house that serves Whoppers at 6 in the morning. And so that's where I go every single morning at 6 o'clock.
0: Now, now, folks, Mike, how tall are you? I'm 5'11". And what do you weigh? 200. Yeah. God, that gets me so annoyed. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that
2: was that was six in the morning, but then at 10 o'clock, I went to Arby's. Yeah. And so I went to Arby's at 10, and then at 10 o'clock, I went to the Dairy Queen and got a big you know, Sunday thing, brownie Sunday or something like that. And
0: what did you eat yesterday?
2: Yesterday, I was at Burger King at six in the morning, and then um, went to Taco Bell at 10 o'clock, oh, and then in the afternoon, went to Arby's <laughs> again. And then my wife and I will go out and eat, eat in the evening, but she won't go to fast food for dinner, so we'll go to a sit-down restaurant in the evening. Right. I mean, if you added up, how much we spend on eating out every month, it's tremendous.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And this is every single day.
0: Yeah. and yeah. Mike eats fast food. He's been doing this since I know. Yeah. Every day. Every yeah. day. Yeah. And, and people and say. Said, Five, eleven, two hundred.
2: They'll say that people will say, well, that's really bad for your health. But I had a checkup here. I I, I never had a physical for years and years and years. I never had a physical. And so two years ago, I signed up with a brand new doctor because my other original doctor had retired. And so I signed up with a new doctor. He says, well, I won't even accept you as a patient unless you do a physical. I said, okay, I've never had one, but I'll do one. Um. My uh, blood pressure was perfect, which it always is. It's never been high. It's always been right on the money, like 120 over 80. He does a cholesterol test, which you think would be through the roof, right? He says, well, he says, you got a high percentage of good cholesterol and a very low percentage of bad cholesterol. So you're doing really good there. And then every other stat that he checked me on was all perfect. So he says, well, whatever you're doing, just keep it up. (laughs) (laughs) I was saying, I was thinking, if I told you what I was doing, you'd freak.
1: <laughs> and this, is, so my this brother- is one of those folks don't try this at home. Right. right. Yeah.
2: My, my brother-in-law <laughs> says you ought to write a book on your diet and how you
0: live and, and sell it. <laughs> and, and you know what tomorrow is going to be yet? Burger King. Well, it's,
2: it's always Burger King at 6 in the morning because they're the only place I can get lunch at that time of the morning. I don't like breakfast, really.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, so I have to go to Burger King. Now, also the funny story, too, is that my stepdaughter owns a cat, which we babysit like five out of the seven days. And so the cat goes with me to all these fast food visits. And so the cat loves it. He loves, loves going out to eat. And so he eats, you know, bacon at, at, at Burger King and he'll add <laughs> turkey or chicken or roast beef at the Arby's. I get it with, without the bun, you know, and just the meat. And uh, then McDonald's, he'll eat hamburgers. So all these places we go to, they all know Jack. That's the cat's name, Jack. Thank you. Thank yeah. You. <laughs> so they all love seeing Jack every time I pull into the fast food. Well,
0: and it's not me. It's the cat. Right. Yeah.
2: <laughs> you wouldn't well, eat that much fast food, would
0: you, Jack? My, no, no. no. <laughs> I actually that? quit eating fast food. Have you? Nine, yeah it's in the last year and a half i, I don't yeah. think i've been in a fast food place for it about three or four times wow and, <laughs> and, yeah, i do that in a day <laughs> you, know, you do that in a day and, right. and i'll probably drop dead you know yeah
2: well i, I actually I, i'm i'm it's almost like an obsession to me i mean it really is it's honestly it, an
0: obsession it, it is yeah it is, it is. Yeah. I didn't say that. If,
2: if I go a day without eating fast food, I'm just climbing the walls. <laughs> it's
0: a well, fix <laughs> Folks, now you know a little bit <laughs> about Mike that probably no one else knows.
2: Or wants to know. <laughs> I
0: think we'll stop it at that point <laughs> it's all downhill from here. Mike, it's a it's a pleasure having you. Uh again, Mike's website is tinylandscapes.com dot com. Yeah. He's got a really a really interesting and a, a really good um, beneficial online um uh, uh Macro Club. course that is well worth the money and uh He's one of the down, more down-to-earth people in this business, and it's always fun to do that.
1: John? Jack? It's been I'll good. See
0: you, uh, I'll see you next week. John's going to teach me how to fly a drone next week. Oh, yeah. cool. Ah, I have
1: some flying okay, lessons. We're going
0: to work on drone macro photography. Watch him crash it into a tree. <laughs> drone macro photography. Yeah, there mm-hmm. you go. <laughs> you. I'm going
1: to be the first drone. No, macro. it'll be good.
0: And we'll Start be at Olympic. John, right. anybody, anybody wants to come to the Olympic, we have one spot open next week. And yep. uh, if you're interested, get a hold of John or I. I know it's last minute stuff, but Mike, we'll get this up, and uh, hopefully, we'll get in touch base with you sooner rather than later. Thank and, you, John. Uh, and uh, enjoy that Whopper tomorrow morning. Is it a <laughs> Whopper or a double Whopper?
2: Well, I get the Whopper Junior. I go small. <laughs> Thank
0: you. But you eat five of them. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks. We'll talk to you soon. All right, thanks, John.
1: Thanks, John, for running it. You betcha. We'll see you guys. All right. Take it easy, Jack. John, thanks a lot for having me.